John chapter 12, verse 9. When a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they would be at the place where um, Jesus was being anointed in a home by, by Mary. They came not only on the account of him, but also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 10. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. So now they wanted Jesus to die, and they wanted all the witnesses of the glory of God that could prove the glory of God to go away also. Verse 11, because on the account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Now verse 12. The next day, there was the day after Jesus was at, at Bethany, where Jesus himself was being anointed by, by, by Mary. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, everybody say heard, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Verse 13. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So now they want to crown him as king also. Verse 14, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written, verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. For some of you that have not been attending this church, it explains in the past year that sitting on donkey is very significant for Jewish king. Uh, David used to sit on the, the, the donkey to enter into Jerusalem as king, and when he had uh, chosen Solomon to be the next king, next heir in line, next heir to the throne, he had Solomon set on his donkey whereas the other people try to promote themselves you know and do different things they were not they were not sitting on a donkey so sitting on donkey signifies that it is a David's rule of the kingdom of Israel is returning okay so that's just a side note for you verse 16 his disciples did not understand these things first, at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things and had been written about him and had been done to him. Now, just, just, just uh, uh, pay attention to did not understand and also remember these things later on. Okay, let's go to verse 17. And the crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus out from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witnesses. Oh, bear witness. Verse 18. Now, this is very important. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. What is it? Raised the dead. Verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. In other words, they were plotting, trying to kill Jesus, trying to gain their power back. And so they said to one another, nothing is working. The world has gone after him. Wow. Everybody say, the world, the world. has gone after him. Oh, very weak here. Let's just do it again. I, I want everybody up there in the balcony and everybody down here to say as loud as possible. Since there's less people on the balcony, you got to do it louder so I can hear you, okay? Let's say this. One, two, three. The world has gone after him. Let's do it one more time. The world has gone after him. Wow, what an amazing testimony by John the Beloved. 
Today I want to talk about the four groups of people in this scene, in this time when Jesus was being honored and welcomed into Jerusalem as king of the Jews. There are four groups of people. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes this morning and let us see these four different people and how it applies to our walk with the Lord. I need you to pay attention to this this morning, okay? Now the first group of people is actually not even written in this, in this, in not, not written in this, four, in this few verses here. You say, who are these people? Well, they're the people that are not engaged. They have not heard about Jesus. They are out there doing their job and, and uh, carrying on with their lives. You know, in fact, most people at the time of Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem, they were carrying on with their own lives. They haven't heard about this amazing God. They're living life as usual and they're proceeding life as usual. Do you realize that today, right now, 2,000 years later, as we sit here and remembering the first Palm Sundays, there are two also, most people in the city have not heard of the Lord and had not been touched by him or had not been witnessed, nobody had witnessed to them about the Lord. They have no idea the goodness that God has bestowed upon us. They had no idea the good experiences that you have. They just doubt they're doing their own thing. They're not even recorded in the scriptures, you know, and I'm back to the days of Jesus. But today it's the same thing. A lot of people just, just carrying on with their lives. They don't know what's going on. Whatever struggle they have, they continue to carry on with their struggles. Whatever, the, the, whatever issues they have in their life, they continue to carry on with the issues in their life. The Bible tells us that later on when the, when the people of Israel were being filled with the Holy Spirit, then they were able to touch a lot of lives. But I also want you to remember, do you know that one of those people that didn't have anything, did anything to do with this few verses that we are reading here, had no connection to this, these verses we're reading here, that very, the person, is, one of those person is Paul the Apostle. He was alive. He wasn't born after Jesus got, you know, raised from the dead. In fact, he was already part of the Pharisees' uh, society, if you may. He, but he was not in this story. He was, we would, we're not told that he's in this story. Who knows what he's doing? But he never seen the miracles of God. He never heard Jesus spoke. He just went by whatever the people had told them. But praise God, you know, today there are a lot of Paul the apostles out there are still not yet engaged and had not been touched by the power of God. And you know, that's what the Word of God says, that we as believers need to do our best to reach the unchurched, to reach those who, are, who are, have not been touched by the power of God. I have one hand clap. We ought to all agree that in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. I want to tell you this. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's a Sunday that is the easiest time to invite friends to church. And I want to encourage you because year after year after year, We've been celebrating Easter, go to cantata, doing things, eat fish, whatever, whatever culture that you're coming from. We've been doing all that we've been doing, but we have not, have not introduced the goodness of God, 
to so many people that yet to experience the goodness of God. I want to talk about religion. Who cares about religion? I hate religion anyways. It's boring. It's just draconian. It's it, it, oppressive. I don't want, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the goodness of God that you've experienced. How good God has been to you. How good he has been to your family. Can I have a witness with me this morning? If God has been good to you and your family, so why do we keep it to ourselves? I want to remind you this morning. I want to remind you that one of the greatest instructions God, Jesus himself had ever given was an instruction right before he left. He said, go to all the nation and preach the gospel. There's so many people are not aware of the goodness of God. They heard that God is nasty. They heard that God is mad. They heard that God is against them. It's completely the opposite. It's complete. You know, Hillsong just came up with this new song. Uh, I posted it when I was in Los Angeles because that's, that's when they sang the first time, I guess, in North America. And I was so excited because now I could find it on Spotify. And they also have those, uh, those uh, lyrics. So I loaded up. So uh, we're going to be singing that soon, you know. It, it, it says, God is for me and he's not against me. I am chosen and not forsaken. But that's not the narratives of the world when they talk about God. They say that God is against us because of our sin. God hates us because of our sin. God is here, here looking for opportunity to punish us. And therefore, when we every, every time we do something wrong, you know, every time we do something terrible, we, God can no longer be available. Miracles are no longer available to us. I know there are always consequences of every action we take. Both those are just natural consequences. That's why God encourages people instructed his people not to sin. But God is not in the business of punishing people. Most people in the world, they don't know about that. They heard that God is a punishing God. Whether it's a Muslim God, whether it's a Buddhist God, or whether it's even a Catholic God or a Christian God, is that he is always mad. He's always angry. He is always trying to look for opportunity to cause us to suffer. He's, he's always very insecure and very selfish. But old friends, the God that you and I serve. We're sitting here week after week enjoying His goodness and being reminded of His goodness and being told that we are no longer any, come, any, come under any condemnation and that He's a good God. He's close to us. He's not far from us. He's for us. He's not against us. He's thinking about us. He has all our interests in mind. That's the God we serve. We have to share that with the dying world. You know, we don't share gospel to build churches. We don't share the gospel because we, we want to increase our influence. Because we are not a political party. But my friends, if you've been touched by the goodness of God and that He loves you and you know He loves you, I, want to, I don't want to put any pressure on you. I don't want to put any condemnation on you. But I want to encourage you. Don't keep the goodness of God to yourself. Just invite people. And you know, that's what coming to church is good because, you know, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. It's really hard sometimes to share the gospel, right? It's like, how do you start? What can, you know, like you think you need to preach something. No, you live a good life that demonstrates the goodness of God and then you invite people. I want to share with you the good things in my life. Don't keep good things to yourself. You know, I know, I know that um, in the old days, when I have experienced something good, um, I wanted to keep it to myself. 
Uh, for example, if you go to a, a really tasty restaurant and you just enjoy the food and you just, you just realize that when you tell everybody, it changes because now they're so busy, everybody's coming to the restaurants and you don't get served well anymore and you get discouraged. So you commit to yourself, I'm saying nothing, I'm just keeping it to myself. Well, that's selfishness, you see. I, I was living in my flesh. But you know, these days I tell everybody, you know, the other day I just came back from Mexico, right? And the hotel was fantastic, you know. I never bother to comment anything. I would just say, ah, oh, whatever. But I, I decided this time, for, for the goodness of people, for, for, for the goodness of others, I will share my great experience, you know, at that website, TripAdvisor. My wife didn't even know I did it. You know, I just, now she knows, right? I, I share it. It's like, yeah, what's the fan? They'll share. When you have a good thing, you remember this. The grace of God, the goodness of God is unlimited. It doesn't mean that the more you share, the less you get. You know how we always say less men, more share, right? Well, it's not that way in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is bountiful. In fact, the more you share, the more grace you will experience. The more you give away, the more God will bless you. So give it away. Give goodness away. Let people know that, man, I got healed in this church. You are to come. If you have sickness, I'm sure you run into a lot of sick people during the weekday. Yes? yes. Three people say yes, right? You run to the sick people all week long. Well, share with them the goodness of God. Why don't you come to our church? We'll pray for you. You say, well, can't I pray for people at workplace? Go ahead, do that too. But you know that it is a calling of God to his church to disciples people. It is easier when you partner with your local church to disciple people than just doing it yourself. I find it easier when I bring friends to the church that they engage with other friends and they're being discipled and influenced by people. So friends, this morning, there are many, many people have not experienced what you've experienced. They heard about the bad news of God. They heard about the angry God. They heard about the ungracious God. They heard about the unmiraculous God. But you know it different. So please don't keep it to yourself. Share it away. Be generous. Tell the whole world how good God is. And if people say, you know, that's not what my church preached. Well, you know, bring them here. So next week on Good Friday, you know, I pray that God will give us the courage to give us the, 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 uh, the boldness to encourage and invite people to church. I'll guarantee you, we're not going to talk about God is mad. We're not going to talk about God is angry at them. And in fact, we aren't even going to judge anyone. Yes? Are we committed to that? Yes. Come on. I need to hear more commitment. We're not going to judge people when they come to this church. I don't care what kind of lifestyle they have. These Jesus say, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. And let them come. And it is not our place to tell people how to live their lives. It's our place to love on people. It is the Holy Spirit place. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit do the job to change and transform lives. So we don't have to say anything. We just say, God, I'm bringing them to church. And I'm just going to trust you. going to touch them. I'm going to encourage my son to come. I'm going to bribe them, hallelujah, you know. You didn't get that. Some of my grown children, you know, we're going to bribe them to come to church, you know. If you come after Good Friday, Easter, I'll take you over a steak dinner.
This is what I can promise. I can promise that they will hear about the goodness of God. I can promise that they hear that God can heal them. That God can supply all their needs. And God is not mad at them. And whatever mistakes they have made, they need to know our Savior had died on the cross for the sins they committed yesterday, today, and to the future. He had dealt with all those sins, and he has, has his arm wide open to embrace whoever would want to come to him, to love them. You know, this week, I pray probably a number of times every morning, Father, I need you to fill me with more revelation of your love, more revelation of Jesus' love. I need you to open my eyes because, you know, every now and then, you know, I, I share with somebody, you know, sometimes, you know, we, 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 we need to hear God loves us. Yes. And we need to hear from God that he loves us. I, I know my, my, you know, I, I know my son hates me to use him. He's growing up now, so he's kind of like, he doesn't like that. But, you know, my son and daughter, I always tell them I love them. Well, you say, well, they know that already. You told them a million times. I still need to tell them because they still need to hear it. And, and we need to hear that God loves us. So I say, God, I pray that you will reveal to me that you love me. But I also pray this, Lord so that I can also reveal to others how much you love them. Because you cannot give what you don't have. Otherwise, it's just stories and tales. So, Lord, help me to see more of your love so that I can manifest your love to other people. Amen? So the second group of people, so the first group of people were not mentioned here, but the second group of people would be those Pharisees. So I'm going backwards now, right? So Pharisees. These are the people that they heard about the miracles. In fact, some of them seen the miracles. They seen with their own eyes how amazing Jesus is and what he had done. But they could not accept Jesus. You know why? Two things. Actually, it's one thing. Because they were offended by what Jesus said. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and the Messiah. They could not accept that Jesus is the Son of God and Messiah. So they were offended by him, regardless of all the miracles that Jesus had done, because they were offended by Jesus and what he claimed. They could not experience the goodness of God. And so what did they do? They want to shut Jesus down by killing him and everything, every good thing that he had done. And eventually also, if you read further down the road in the Bible, is that they want to shut all the preaching of the, the, the disciples who have been touched by the power of God. They want to shut them down. They don't want people to hear about the goodness of God. Do you know that if we are not careful, we too can be offended in our spirit of what God is doing? And we have to be careful that we will not allow offenses, listen, to rob us from the incredible blessings that God has for us. 
This Jewish people, they've been talking about the Messiah. They've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting and talking. They memorize the scriptures from top to bottom. They, they mull about it, think about it, and they, 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 they talk about it and do feasts and whatever. They've been waiting for this Messiah. And finally the Messiah showed up and they could not participate with him. They could not partake this goodness of God. They could not partake the fulfillment of the promise of God. Why? Because they were offended. Today, many Christians are also offended one way or another. They were offended by, you know, I remember when the airport church movement started, you know, I, I just couldn't understand what was going on. I was offended by their behavior. So I didn't want to be part of it. I didn't want to have anything to do with it until later on I found out how God had moved lives and raised amazing men and women up to, 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 to change the world. And I, I promised the Lord at that time, God, I will never, never, never again be offended in my spirit to the point that I will miss an entire move of God. And we need to guard our heart this morning that we will not be individuals that will be easily offended by people in the church, by guys like me, pastors, or pastors that don't preach what we want them to preach, or, you know, pastors on, on television, famous, you know, they, they, we, got, we are offended. Every time you're offended by a certain person, you are blocking yourself or removing yourself from the potential of receiving even the answer to the prayer of your life. And so don't be offended. Just guard your heart. Lord, I don't want to be offended. You know, if the Jews at the time were not offended by Jesus, oh, history would have been so different. They would not have rejected Jesus. But because the Pharisees, they were so offended. Jesus broke their rules, man. Jesus broke their rules. Jesus eat without washing his hands. Jesus didn't wash the pots and the pans that they had. Jesus, Jesus was a rascal. He didn't toe the line. They were offended. My friends, may I encourage you, learn not to be so easily offended. You know, I know I'm a bit long-winded this morning, but I need to say this. As a pastor for so many years, I have seen believers just missed out God because they are offended by a brother, by a sister, by the pastor, by the ushers, by this and by that. They were offended because pastor was a bit harsh this morning. They are offended that, you know, this and that and the other thing. And so because they keep it in your heart, even if you show up but if you have an offended spirit, you can't receive is hard. You sit there and you see words. They come in here, but they cannot go inside. It could be the greatest revelation ever said, but you can't hear it because something is blocking. My brothers and sisters, please, please do not allow offense to keep you from the greatest thing that God has yet to be releasing to you which means you need to 
always readily forgive. Yes? Now, the third group of people in the Bible are the crowds. Everybody say the crowds. Now, these are not just any crowds. They're the one the Bible says have heard. Everybody say have heard. Now, if, they, if nobody preached, the Bible said, how can they hear? Back to the first group, right? But these people have heard. Some of them have seen it directly, the goodness of God. The, all these miracles that Jesus did was to demonstrate the goodness of the Father. He healed the sick. I mean, he could be, he could be, he could be dancing on fire. There would be another miracle that really impressed people right? But it would serve no purpose. But his goodness, his miracle is always to demonstrate the heart of the Father, the goodness of the Father. He provided for them, he fed them, and he healed them. That's what our Father is always busy doing. And these people have seen the goodness of God. You know, God raised Lazarus from the dead. And they're here. They're excited. They're motivated by the emotion. And they were rushing to Jesus and wanting to make them king, which is great. But the same crowds, none of them was found when the other group yelled, crucify him. Crucify him crucify him. You see, we do have, even among believers, Christians, is that often our faith is based on what our emotion is telling us. Our faith is driven by our emotion. And it's okay Sometimes we get excited. I like excitement. I like it when we, you know, we haven't seen it, people running around. We used to have a sister. She, she just running around. The, it was cool, right? I mean, the only thing is a bit intimidating sometimes, even to me. It's like, you know, don't come near me, you know. <laughs> but but I, was, I was so glad. People were so excited about God. I love it. It's good to be emotionally connected with God, what God is doing. But if that's the only thing that drives your faith, my friends, you have a great danger of not having a sustainable faith. Why is it important? You learned that in the last group. Sustainable faith is very, very important because it is that kind of faith that God wants to use to do things that are greater, greater than you could ever imagine. But this group of people, they heard about what Jesus did and they want to make him king because they're waiting for this Messiah. And finally they found this guy who is this miracle working guy and that he's coming in a donkey. They were all excited. They were telling their friends about it. The word of God says that all those people who witnessed Lazarus being raised from the dead, they went around and continued to witness. They continued to tell people, wow, this is great, man. Do you know that Jesus, man, this guy, he raised people from the dead and he opened the blind eyes. He do all kinds of amazing things and words travel fast and so they were excited and they want to make Jesus king but the faith that is driven by emotions usually are influenced by the crowds i.e. other people because when people abandon Jesus that faith disappear now let me go to the last group and now I'll close the last group of people were the disciples now the Bible tells us that when the disciples witnessed all this thing that was happening, they didn't understand. Everybody say they didn't understand. And yet they stuck around. So these are the group of people that stuck around 
when everybody had left Jesus. Do you remember the time when Jesus said, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood? And the Word of God says everybody just headed for the hills. They took off. They didn't understand, what in the world is this guy talking about? He's crazy. He's talking nonsense. So they didn't want to follow him anymore. And then Jesus turned around and asked the disciples, are you going to go too? And the disciple, you know, I'm dramatizing this now. Look at each other. Look at Jesus. Look at each other. Look at Jesus. Don't know what to say. I don't know. And then Peter spoke up. And Peter said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Why? Because you have the word of life. They discover that the word of God is powerful. They discover what Jesus said gives life. They discover that preaching is not just making people feel good. Come on. Preaching is not just giving, giving information. Preaching is not just adding knowledge. Because every time when a preacher waits on the Lord and depends on God, what they release is life. Because they're preaching on behalf of God. They'll be preaching on behalf of Jesus, on behalf of the Holy Spirit. And so when there's life flowing out, in the words, you will know it. And so these disciples... They were not the offended one. They were not easily offended. They stuck around. They hung around. They didn't understand everything Jesus said. I mean, half the things that Jesus said, they didn't understand. And that's why Jesus said, you know, I have to go to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit that he can make you understand what I just told you. Because he probably looked at their face and they all looked blank on their face. Christian, let me tell you this. Faithfulness to God and His calling. It is what necessary for you and I to live far larger than ourselves, far beyond ourselves. You know, this 11 disciples, we don't want to include Judas. That's another story there. These 11 disciples, they were not the smartest. They were not the brightest. They were not the wealthiest. They, they didn't have all the influence and the accolades of society. But they were able to change the world. Why? Is it because they were smart? They were incredibly Einstein? You know, I'm using a name as a verb now. They, they, what was, why? No, it's because of their faithfulness in following Christ. I wonder how many of us can say that, you know, we want to be as faithful as these disciples were. God is looking not for talents. God is looking not for gifts. We celebrate Billy Graham's life. Why? Because he could preach to hundreds of thousands. See, if he could preach to hundreds of thousands, and then he, he, he stopped being faithful to his calling. I mean, God is gracious. He always is gracious. But if you're not faithful, then you're basically capping your own destiny from going further. And we celebrate Billy Graham so much is because here is a servant of God. Keep on preaching and telling people about the goodness of God even until the last moment of his life. They made a film with him just months before he passed away, in fact, weeks, so that he could share the gospel. 
over the media. Faithfulness is so important. And this group of people is what God is looking for. You're sitting here this morning. Many of you, I know you're so faithful. I could be saying things that are so offensive. You're still here. Some of you say, I'm not too sure. I want to take that. But, but I know sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm very straightforward sometimes, you know, I, and I'm too straightforward, you know. I just, I, just, I just can't keep it in. I need to say it. And because I say that, I, I, I hurt people. I'm so sorry. But sometimes things need to be said. Amen. Right? Yes. Things need to be said. But I, I know I have offended, and yet you're here week after week. And some of you are serving, serving in the hospitality ministry, serving in the worship ministry, serving in the children ministry. They're down there. There's so many of them down there. They missed four weeks of church. I know lovely. She's missed like forever. And she's a worshiper. She's not here. She's serving your children. And so many of you are so faithful serving God. I want to commend you. I want to let you know that you have touched the heart of the Father. I want to let you know that you are the candidate that Jesus would use to change the world far beyond your ability, far beyond your imagination. Just stay faithful. Stay where you're at and continue to share the goodness of God. Did you learn something this morning? Can we all stand this morning? Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's all stand.